Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, Jets fans, and welcome back to the Jets podcast on 247sports.com as we're going to preview the 2019 NFL Draft. Along with Rick Lockland. I'm Daniel Feuerstein, and Rick, it's draft time. It's exciting. Who will be next to be picked by the New York Jets with the number three selection in this draft? We all remember last year where the Jets ended up with the number six pick, and then they made that big move with the Indianapolis Colts to move up from the number six to the number three pick, and they ended up having Sam Darnold and my goodness Sam Darnold in my opinion Rick he has delivered I think he's going to be a great asset since he since he came over uh, in the draft in 2018 2019 it's going to be exciting and Daniel this is a position that Jet fans are not familiar with having the centerpiece of a franchise already in place in a quarterback in Sam Darnold you bring in a prized free agent in Le'Veon Bell at a bargain contract, mind you, so you complement what is already has the makings of a franchise quarterback with one of the top playmakers, or you could make the argument the top playmaker in the entire NFL. And Mike McCagnan has now the number three overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. I mean, boy, oh, boy, I know McCagnan going back before the Sam Darnold trade was on the hot seat couldn't do anything right but after landing Sam Darnold training up to get him with the Colts and signing Le'Veon Bell and if they are able to make a home run with this pick and I know we're going to get into the details and all the different scenarios but if the Jets don't swing and miss on this pick and they bring an impact player and which a lot of people are expecting to be on the defensive side of the ball it's been a heck of a pass to drafts for the Jets and they really have done a complete 180. If you look at how far this franchise has come from that 2016-2017 season where there appeared to be no plan, no sign of the playoffs in sight, and for them to be building and retooling so quickly, and a team now will go over the schedule a little bit, uh, that Browns and Jets matchup on Monday Night Football, there's going to be so many opportunities now for the Jets to get back into the mix and back into relevancy in the AFC East, and across the NFL. Absolutely, Rick, and it's going to be exciting to see what's going to happen uh, as this New York Jets team is getting ready to head on over to Nashville, Tennessee, getting ready to see who will be their first-round choice with the number three pick. It should be exciting. It should be fun to watch. And we're going to take a look at some of these players that are available uh, you know, at number three. Now, obviously, uh, looking at the draft order, uh, with the number one pick uh, for this upcoming draft in Nashville over at Nissan Stadium, be all over downtown Nashville, Tennessee, at the Music City. Uh, what we are watching 
uh, we got uh, the Arizona Cardinals with the number one pick. And we have the San Francisco 49ers with the second round, excuse me, with the second pick in the first round. So if you think about the Jets' situation right now, they should have a good grasp of who they're going to bring over, Rick. Obviously, um, it looks like uh, the Cardinals, uh, you know, unfortunately for Josh Rosen, one and done, it looks like. Uh, they're ready to take another quarterback, as everyone knows. Uh, that uh, the new head coach of the Cardinals does not want Josh Rosen to be on the team. So Kyle Murray, I believe, might be the one selected by the Cardinals in the number one pick. But that moves down to number two with San Francisco. Many people are already claiming, because even though the Niners already brought in through free agency two big pass rushers, they still might take a pass rusher in Nick Bosa with the number two pick because they probably want him to learn uh, with the people behind the two experts that they have that they got out of free agency, which means that the Jets have an opportunity to either get Josh Allen from Kentucky or the one that's been floating around is Quinnen Williams, who apparently will help fix up part of the front seven. Either way, Rick, you're seeing the Jets really, I'm not saying kicking the tires, but leaving no stone unturned when you're looking to play for a big player in the first round to bring him over to make a, a, a difference, possibly on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, it looks like defensive coordinator Greg Williams. This is a name that you mentioned before the start of the podcast. It's been popping up all over all Jet fans' Twitter timelines. There's been stories aplenty about him, and that's Ed Oliver uh, out of the University of Houston, Olivier, I should say. Um, and he's six foot two. 287 pounds, a lot of comparisons to almost a Von Miller type, just a pure speed rusher that sources, again, who knows, this is silly season in the NFL. There's a lot of misinformation out there, but if you believe some of the media reports that came out, it said that Greg Williams, the defense coordinator, is absolutely ecstatic with this player, that they made the reference to Rex Ryan with Quinton Copels. And look, let's hope that Oliver doesn't end up being like Quinton Copels, but Rex was pounding the table, pounding the table with Mike Tannenbaum and, and telling them to draft uh, Quinton Copels. And it seems like that's the same scenario that's playing out right now with Greg Williams, that they don't think he's a perfect fit for the 3-4 scheme, but because of his just unbelievable speed, he's slightly undersized. Of course, we'll look to put on some weight and some muscle at the pro level. They think as a potential prospect, he is as good as any in this draft. And as we talked about, Daniel, the Jets have flexibility to number three overall, uh, just like the Colts were able to trade down with the Jets only three spots, and the Jets, of course, taking Sam Darnold, the, the Colts not having a need for a quarterback. The Jets right now could basically, they're sitting pretty, waiting for the highest bidder to come in to potentially throw more draft picks at them. Uh, potentially maybe they can get a trade asset because the Jets feel that Ed Oliver would be available, they're saying, in the 6 to 10 range, potentially 10 to 15 range. So they could trade down all the way to 10 and still get the player that they want. And if they're able to do that and they trust the evaluations of their scouts, of general manager Mike McCagnin's team, that, you know, this Ed Oliver is as good or a better fit than Quentin Williams, the guy that I've been keeping my eye on throughout this entire pre-draft process has been Josh Allen. I think the guy can single-handedly wreck a football game. I know, again, he's not coming out of a football factory at Kentucky 
but all the scouts and the Italian evaluators are just marveling at his un- unbelievable ability to get to the quarterback. So as you mentioned, there are a dozen, if not more, different scenarios that could play out for the Jets. But my one piece of advice, or if I'm in Mike McCagnin's chair, if you truly believe that Ed Oliver is the best defensive lineman in this draft, and when everybody's projecting that he still will be available at the 6-10 to 10 range, I would absolutely trade down to the number six position and try to stockpile as much as many draft picks and as much talent as possible to make this team better for now and for the future. And here's the thing, Rick. We have seen these diamonds in the rough coming out of college football programs that are not, as you've said, you know, they're not football factories. They're not, they don't usually develop high-profile players that are ready to go in the NFL draft. I mean, we have seen how many times, maybe like, you know, players like Danny Woodhead, who came out of nowhere, uh, did some good things with the Jets until they, they released him, and then he went to do great things with the Patriots. Um, and look at Wayne Corbett, even though he never went into the draft. I mean, all he did was when the Jets used to practice um, in on campus at Hofstra University, I mean, all Wayne Corbett did was go from one part of the campus to the other, he went from the college football uh, stadium to the professional practice uh, facility and, you know, got his number retired as part of the Jets' uh, ring of honor. So, you know, you never, ever look at anything and say, yeah, that guy can't play. You know what? Let's give him a shot. Let's give that guy an opportunity, and you never know. If Josh Allen has the talent to say, listen, like you just said, I can wreck a football game in five seconds and the other side won't even know what hit them. Bring him over. Draft him right away. If that's the guy that you want to really start throwing a wrench into the works, well, that's your guy right there. Why not? Because the truth is, you know, the Jets did not have enough sacks at all last year, and even they got enough pressures still, though. Uh, they didn't really sack the quarterback that much at all. And, of course, Leonard Williams is supposed to be uh, – that big sack machine that he was over at USC. And, you know, since the rookie season, I mean, he really hasn't done much. But still, though, you know, hopefully with a little more help, if you do bring over Josh Allen, Leonard Williams can be that sack machine that the Jets wanted. Here's something that really popped up here. And I'd be honest with you, Rick, I don't know if they really need to draft another safety. Now, granted, you know, Marcus May was injured mostly last year. Um, he played a couple of times here and there. Of course, that big game against the Denver Broncos where, you know, he almost uh, got the uh, game-ending touchdown, which, of course, the Jets were already leading by a lot over the Denver Broncos at MetLife Stadium last year. But, you know, C.J. Parker is a, a safety uh, coming out of Purdue. Now, once again, you know, Purdue, the ACC uh, teams, you know, some of these uh, huge teams that comes from these different conferences – uh, of course, we all know the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12. These are the huge college football conferences that, uh, you know, you'll get the majority of uh, these players. But, you know, C.J. Parker kind of in- intrigues me a little bit. I don't know if the Jets are actually going to go after him. But, you know, to me, I think they have enough safety help as it is with Jamal Adams and Marcus May. Yeah, and look, the Jets, again, they are sitting pretty. They're – for once in I can't even remember how many years, they're not in a place where they're chasing a certain player. They're drafting to a position of need. They have the quarterback of the future. They have the running back of the future. They have so many opportunities right now to 
improve this offense. And I think that Greg Williams stepping in, obviously sticking with a 3-4 scheme, although he has certain things he's going to implement and certain uh, he's certainly an aggressive type of coordinator. So he's going to want a cer- certain mold of player. And I think that's kind of the power struggle that's going on between Adam Gase and the defensive coordinator, Greg Williams. And look, I, I'll, I went on the record as saying that I think that Greg Williams has uh, had some issues with former coaching staffs, whether it's in Cleveland, even in the New Orleans Saints, with, of course, the Bounty Gate scandal with Sean Payton. I'm not surprised here if Greg Williams is pounding the table, trying to get a defensive player, and Adam Gase is sitting out there and, and looking at some of these top wide receivers and, and thinking to himself, boy, oh, boy, would I love for Sam Darnold to be able to have a legitimate number one target and grappling with the idea of do I go after that top wide receiver or do I give Greg Williams his wish and go with the defensive player? For me, again, you know, I'm of the belief the Jets should get the best player. I understand they have some holes on the defensive side of the ball. Look, if they have to go and be a middle-of-the-pack defense this year and Sam Darnold takes that next step and the Jets can be a top-five offense and they can get to eight, nine, ten wins, there's a lot of different ways to win football games. And if the Jets – Again, at their position, whether they decide they target a player and they can afford to trade down and take him later in the draft, whether there's a guy that just absolutely blows him away regardless of position, I I think that Adam Gase, I think the rest of the general manager and Mike McCagnan and his assistants should follow that lead because, again, they made it very clear that Adam Gase, when he was with the Miami Dolphins, he did have a say in personnel, and he was very active on that side as far as pre-draft and getting involved in the combine process. It sounds like that Mike McCagnan and his staff is going to operate separately from the coaching staff. Of course, they're going to accept input. They're going to have their own evaluations on certain players. But, you know, when Christopher Johnson announced the hire of Adam Gase, the question came up from one of the New York beat reporters about, will you have say in personnel? And Adam Gase basically said that, you know, that wasn't part of my job description. That wasn't part of the scope of the job when I accepted this with the Jets. It was something I did in Miami, and it's not something I expect to do right now, that he will definitely share his opinion, but he's not expecting to have the final say on who the Jets draft. So for me, it's going to be interesting to see. We saw under Rex Ryan more times than not, you know, was it going to be a defensive player in the first round? Was it going to be an offensive player in the first round? How many years when Rex was the head coach, they always draft a defensive guy. So you'll find out pretty quickly if, if the Jets go defensive, then it's going to tell you that Greg Williams' input, that Adam Gase did have some input. Well, ultimately, the decision fell on Mike McCagnon's desk and, of course, Christopher Johnson, who, like it or not, is going to be involved in a lot of these football decisions, which I know you and I, Daniel, vehemently disagreed with and felt like he should let the football people make the football decisions. No, absolutely. I think the football people must make the football decisions because, you know, you got to trust your football people. If you are running this team, you got to trust your football people to do the job that you have to do. If you have interference uh, by an owner who is just basically doesn't have enough um, knowledge of what he or needs to do or what she needs to do, you know, then, you know, your owner is going to continue to be, uh, let's just say, uh, not batting a thousand even though we are talking about the NFL. But still, though, you need your football people to go uh, and do these wonderful things. Now, um, offensively, and let me just go back real quick to say Purdue's in the Big Ten. You know, once again, you know, your football season is uh, it's 24-7 talk, but the season itself is uh, in the off season, So, you know, your brain shut off for a little bit here and there. But still, though, uh, offensively for the Jets, 
maybe they need to draft maybe another wide receiver. You know, I wrote my article on 247sports.com. You know, what will McCagnin do on the third pick? What are some of the needs on the offense that the Jets need? Well, apparently they're still saying, uh, the experts are saying tight end and wide receiver. I don't know about wide receiver. I think at the moment, I think they're okay. Um, I know Anunua is at the moment injury prone. Robbie Anderson continues to grow uh, into a, a into a solid, you know, dangerous wide receiver that you know you can just chunk the chuck the ball in the air and Anderson will grab it and go for the end zone for the touchdown. He'll get you those big chunk yards on throws. Tight end, I, I think he'll be fine on tight end. I mean, Leggett's fine. We all know Chris Herndon is the starting tight end of the future. He's been fantastic since being drafted out of the University of Miami, Florida. Um, but I don't know if you think there's going to be a solid wide receiver or a solid tight end available. If it's not in the first round, maybe in the third round or the fourth round, Rick, because I think the Jets are okay with the offensive weapons that they have right now. And, look, I, I have to respectfully disagree. You know, I just feel, even when healthy, I don't feel like Quincy Anun was a number one target. I, I see him as a 1B, a 2 type of receiver. Robbie Anderson, of course, you know, he seem, he he seems to be a one-trick pony. You know, he hasn't shown that next level where he's developed and understood the route tree and been able to capitalize not only his vertical speed, but trying to run some uh, slant patterns, trying to catch the ball in the open field and make some people miss. He's had a couple issues with ball security throughout the, the past couple of years. So, look, I think the Jets have talent at tight end. You mentioned Chris Herndon. He had to feel terrific about him, Jordan Leggett. And, again, they have talent at wide receiver. But, for me, this is where I, I become tempted. You know, you look at the Jets at number three overall. Kyler Murray, if he's suspected to go first overall, uh, let's say the Arizona Cardinals ultimately do trade Josh Rosen, let's say to the New York Giants, and they, they end up taking Kyler Murray. And, as you mentioned, at number two, you could see uh, Nick Bosa being drafted. And then there you have the top receiver in the entire draft, D.K. Metcalf, out of out of Ole Miss, a guy that was just unbelievable. If you watch his highlight reels in college, I mean, it looked like a man playing among boys. And any time the Jets have an opportunity, as I mentioned, even though it may not be the, the biggest position in need, I mean, there's clearly issues along the defensive line. You could even make an argument that offensive line should be addressed before wide receiver. But, look, it's a playmaker's league. You have a franchise quarterback that needs as many weapons as possible. I would be very tempted and, dare I say, almost pull the trigger on the opportunity to draft the top wide receiver in the NFL and potentially could be in the NFL now coming out of the college ranks, which is why, you know, you see a lot of these reports uh, about Ed Oliver coming out that, look, the Jets are going to draft down. Who knows? That could be a report that was leaked purposely by the Jets so that teams think they're interested in trading down when, in reality, they want that top wide receiver to fall right into their laps at number three. So there's going to be a lot of jostling for position, a lot of misinformation that's out there. I don't think anybody truly knows. I don't even think Mike McCagnin knows who he's going to draft at this point, given you know how the players have to – how the, the, the deck has to play out. But in my mind, again, I really feel if D.K. Metcalf is there at number three, the Jets have all the pieces around Sam Darnold. You have to fortify that offensive line, of course, and see how that chemistry and camaraderie comes together. But I'm not going to say I'm disregarding the defensive side of the ball. I'm not going to say that I don't care about what Greg Williams needs to be successful as a coordinator. All I'm saying is when you have a what people are calling a generational-type playmaker in D.K. Metcalf available, I think the Jets should go and get him and grab him. 
And by get, adding a guy like that into the fold, you're basically making uh, Quincy Anunua, who's a marginal number one, possibly a number two, fall into his normal position at number two. You can have Robbie Anderson in the slot where he's comfortable, where he's just going to stretch the field and create space for the tight ends and the running backs and the guys on the outside. I think that would be the perfect opportunity for the Jets to improve this offense instantly by drafting him at number three overall. Now, I agree with you, Rick, and let's see what happens in this draft. Okay, everybody, as everyone knows, you, can, you have multiple channels to watch the 2019 NFL draft. Obviously, the two main ones are going to be the NFL Network and on ESPN. Also, also apparently, ABC will also be uh, airing the draft as well, even though ABC is owned by ESPN and, and Disney owns both channels. So... You could take it uh, whatever channel you want to choose. You know, um, obviously Chris Berman no longer does the draft uh, for uh, ESPN as he is retired. Uh, so you can watch either Rich Eisen and company through uh, NFL Network, or you can watch um, Trey Wingo and uh, company on ESPN, uh, along with Mel Kiper Jr., of course, the, uh, the, draft, the draft expert, uh, as they will uh, be announcing and giving us the play-by-play and the blow-by-blow of each player picked in all rounds. Of course, Thursday night will be uh, round one, uh, which will be on April the 25th. And then on Thursday, I believe it's rounds, uh, Friday, excuse me, rounds two and three on Friday night. And then Thursday will be rounds four through the last one. I think it will be the seventh round, six or seven rounds of it. And um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see where the Jets, not so much where, but who the Jets will be drafting. But at the same time, are they going to trade down? Will they trade down? I think that's the number one question mark that everyone has. Because they traded up last year, Rick, to get to number three. Now they are back at number three. Will they reverse it this year and basically trade down? Personally, I don't think they're going to do that. I think the Jets should remain at number three and get the best possible player that they need to get to really make uh, a mark on this team this year, either on offense or defense. And don't forget, Rick, C.J. Mosley now uh, on that front seven on the Jets, he can really help these rookies coming in on defense from the draft on how to be a better professional football player. But let's move on now. Of course, we have... About eight, nine minutes or so left in the in our podcast. The 2019 NFL schedule came out last Wednesday. And I have to admit that this schedule, it, it does look a little difficult. We all knew who the Jets were facing. We all knew they're taking on uh, the AFC North. Of course, they'll be home to the Steelers, home to the Browns, on the road at the Ravens and at the Bengals. Uh, they'll be home to the Oakland Raiders from the AFC West. They'll be on the road again at the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, of the AFC South. And they're going to take on the NFC East. So they'll be the home team uh, against the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. They'll be on the road at Philadelphia and at Washington. So at the moment, Rick, in your mind, how difficult is this schedule? And it's funny because let me just give quick thoughts on the the final wrap-up of the draft. I feel like I agree with you, Daniel. The Jets should take the best available player. If you're going to ask me what I think the Jets will do, 
I think if DK Metcalf is available at number three, I believe they will take him and they will they will take him and basically run because they would be so ecstatic that he fell into their laps. But in the realistic scenario where he does not fall to them at number three, I think that they ultimately are going to trade down. They do feel like Ed Oliver will be available later in the draft. They're going to try to stockpile some assets for now and for the future. But looking now at this 2019 schedule, I said it to you, Daniel. I feel like these first uh, seven weeks, uh, including the bye, are a brutal stretch for the New York Jets. I mean, again, you went over the gist of it. Opening at home against Buffalo, look, a team that's always given the Jets problems. Josh Allen has ran for more yards against the Jets than any opposing player. They're going to have their hands full with him. The Cleveland Browns are a team that, look, I picked the Cleveland Browns to not just win the AFC North. I felt like they were going to represent the AFC in the title game. That's how highly I think of what the Cleveland Browns have done this offseason. You forget that eight games into the season they're going to add Kareem Hunt into the mix alongside uh, you have Odell Beckham Jr., who they just traded for, a young quarterback in Baker Mayfield that I think he's going to be alongside Sam Darnold. You're going to see their careers parallel and a lot of comparisons uh, between what players should have been taken first. So that's the team to be reckoned with in a Monday night matchup, of course, again, you know, on the, I believe the 50th anniversary of Monday night football to have the first two teams that appeared, the Browns and the Jets play. And I mean, welcome to 2019, who would have thought in 2019 the marquee Monday night matchup of the year could be the Jets against the Cleveland Browns? And it was a classic last year in the dog pound when Cleveland ended that long losing streak. And I think it's going to be a dog fight, no pun intended, this time around. And then you follow that uh, by a short week traveling to Foxborough to face Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in a game in which the Jets will basically – have an opportunity to try to beat the Patriots uh, for the first time under Sam Darnold. And then you have a week four bye week, which you interview any of former players, coaches, front office executives. If there's one thing that just uh, really triggers them, it's having a bye week a quarter into the season. Look, if they had a week seven bye, uh, a week 10 bye, that, that's all fine and dandy. They can at least rest and recoup and get their injuries together. When you've only played three football games and you have a fourth week as a bye week, that doesn't do anybody any favor. So I think the Jets really caught a bad break in that regard. The one thing I will say, which I read, the Jets mileage-wise travel the least amount of any team in the NFL, and the Raiders travel the most. So take that for whatever you want it to be, whether the Jets are going to be on a plane for a few extra hours or not. Who knows if that's going to have an impact on their performance, but they mileage-wise travel the least amongst a lot of these NFL teams. So you come out of the bye week, you go to Philadelphia, a place the Jets have never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles in the regular season, of course. That That is going to be a tall order, followed by a game against the Dallas Cowboys returning home, and then the New England Patriots come back home. To me, look, if the Jets can tread water in those first six games, if they can find a way to come out of that 3-3, three and three, head over water, then, then the schedule opens up a little bit. You know, you have games against Jacksonville, Miami, uh, a Giants team that, look, is always a thorn in their side but is still in a rebuilding mode, followed by Washington, Cincinnati, Miami, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo. If the Jets can, and I say survive, if they can survive those first six weeks, the seven weeks, six games of the year, I like the prospect of them trying to at least be deep into January. I'm sorry, deep into December. I won't get too far ahead of myself deep in December in the hunt for a playoff spot. But, man, if they start, dare I say, two and four or even one and five, 
this could be a brutal start to the year that could, unfortunately for the Jets and their fans, could bury the team very early. Well, this is the thing. C.J. Mosley said he didn't come to the Jets to lose, so he believes in what this new coaching staff is going to do. Uh, he believes in Greg Williams' defensive schemes. He also thinks that Adam Gates is going to do a good job here. Look, we all know that the week four bye is absolutely ridiculous. I think it's just ridiculous to have a bye after the first three games of an NFL season. Uh, you, there's there's no continuity there. And, you know, if everyone thinks this is an advantage, no, it's not an advantage. It, it's just ridiculous. See, this is where I implement where we got to have at least Every NFL team must play the first eight weeks of the NFL season. When you get to week nine, you'll get two divisions of the AFC and two divisions of the NFC to take their bye week. And then in week 10, you do the reversal, vice versa. And the other two divisions in both the AFC and NFC will take their bye week. And then off you go week 11 through 17. And there you have it. Because... If you're going to have a bye week now in week four, I mean, what does that do? Nothing. It doesn't even intrigue you. You're just taking already a break uh, for no reason. And I agree. I think after week one, being home against Cleveland, and, and let's talk about that game real quick. This will be the real matchup between both Darnold and uh, Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield came in as relief when the Jets were destroying the Browns in the first half destroying them, Tyrod Taylor getting, you know, buried by every opportunity the Jets had. They sacked him into the ground. They knocked him out of the game. Sadly, the Jets didn't have a game plan, or then head coach Todd Bowles didn't have a, a secondary backup plan to get ready for Baker Mayfield because all they cared about, all they concentrated on was Tyrod Taylor. Well, you had to think of something if you're going to, you know, wipe the floor with them. You had to have a backup plan. That's why the Browns won because of what uh, Baker Mayfield did coming in relief. So this will be the real, real game in Week 2 on Monday Night Football between the Browns and the Jets. And ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for the Jets podcast on 247sports.com, the New York Jets. The New York Jets are getting ready for the NFL Draft, which will be live in Nashville, Tennessee at Nissan Stadium at the home of the Tennessee Titans, and there's going to be a lot of fun in Music City, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. For Rick Lachlan, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for listening to our show today. And will join us either this coming Friday as we're going to review the uh, first-round pick selection. And let's not forget, we're going to review the entire draft next Monday. For Rick Lachlan, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. It's been the Jets podcast on 247sports.com. Through blogtalkradio.com. We'll talk to you next time. Take care so long and bye bye for now. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.